Jim Crowley Show. What happened to Cooch? I don't know how many times I'm allowed to say Cooch before I get in trouble, so you're fine. I'm good? That's K-U-C-H. Yeah, nothing wrong with Cooch. No! Adam Crowley. Cooch be good. I love Cooch, in fact. On ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show, where chili's not a soup, so shove your spoon up your ass. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. You shove your spoon up your ass. No, you shove your spoon up your ass, Brian. Chili's not a soup. Why do we all shove spoons up each other's asses? Well, hell, let's just end the show now, then. They can get after me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian, sitting across from me, shirtless Tom behind the glass, at FBomber73, at ButtonPusher970, Paul Dog, needing to get in on this vicious debate. He calls us now. We'll get to him in one second. We are going to get to football. We're, it's, it's Steelers Ravens week. We, we are yeah. going to get to it. But I look in 2008, we wouldn't be talking chili during Ravens week because it meant more back then. I tell you what, I want to eat during the game now some chili. Yes, that'd be the perfect soup. I'd rather the have game. Soup. No, it's not a soup. <laughs> Brian, ball dog, weigh in. Hey, what's up? Uh, yes, chili, chili. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shut up, ball dog. I will. <laughs> I will say, I got. I got thinking as you guys were debating. You know, when it comes to like sloppy joes. Isn't that basically chili minus the beans and no chili powder? I mean, those are important ingredients, I think, but I like where your head's at, Paul. Yeah, it sounds like you're on our side here. Here's another thing, Adam, and this is what I've learned in the great city of Wheeling, West Virginia. We actually have a chili uh, festival. Uh, Local chili restaurants do their thing, and then it's kind of like a uh, national like a big deal type thing. I've been there a couple times, and one thing I realized, too, is if you want to really be like a chili king, uh, the beans are not uh, an actual uh, part of the chili. That is something that was popularized uh, somewhere that got really big. But actual authentic chili is basically meat sauce. It's got the chili powder in it i see what you're saying of course and then of course you got those crazy people down in cincinnati that uh like to put noodles over it you know under it paul you are long-winded when you're not rapping (laughs) i mean get to your damn point i I see what you're saying though you put the if you put the beans in it that's an added ingredient it makes it a little bit more soupy i suppose well it's not yeah well yeah i mean uh, actual original chili is not bean oriented it's more meat-based. And another thing, when it comes to stew, wouldn't you include, like, pot pie being, like, basically a stew in a, in a, in a pastry? I, w- I was going to bring up pot pie earlier. Yes, thank you very much, Paul Dog. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Give us your rap game, okay? All right. Well, speaking of which, yeah, I got my alphabet soup brewing, so, you know, I can't let you guys taste it until it's finished. <laughs> ah, not, hey, Paul Dog, before you go, I... D- also. Paul Dog, <laughs> before you go, I'd like to answer your Sloppy Joe argument in Paul Dog form. I'd like to say... Sloppy Joe? Sloppy Sloppy Joe? That's a no. You don't know. You know? <laughs> Goodbye, that, Paul, Paul Dog. Dog. Was that good? Yeah, pretty good. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll work okay. on <laughs> Paul Dog will call back tomorrow. He does every single Friday at about 540 to rap about this week's upcoming opponent.
We'll make you a star. You do good things for the show, you'll get invited back. That's a listener who made it big. He did? John tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. It's called the Wheeling Feeling Chili Cook-Off. Wow, I'm never going to that. Let's go to Wilson what? one more time before we get back to football. Wilson, hello. I don't have no chili. How are you doing, young man? I haven't heard from you in a long time, Wilson. How are you? I've been in the hospital like I said. I got oh. out, and I want to talk football. I don't make chili. I have three points that I want to get off if you let me. Okay, do it. Okay, one. Mike Tomlin needs to fire his offensive coordinator, Ben Roethlisberger, and he needs to fire the defensive coordinator, whoever that is, because they both stink. And if they can't play, them go. Number two. I'll save for the last one, but notice the week after next, I'm taking my nephews up to Thursday. And we're going to whip them sissy's tail. P-I-T-T. Let's go, Pitt. Get the West hell. Wilson. Wilson, get the hell out of here. West get the hell out of here. Yes. I love Wilson, but that's. That, once you mention Pitt, you got to go. I mean, that's Wilson! the way it goes. Wilson! <laughs> Sorry. Wilson used to be a staple on Fridays. He was in the hospital. Now he's back. He's calling in a day early. I did. I, I was going to ask him about Chile, but when you tell me West Virginia sucks, you're gone. <laughs> Sorry. I missed him. Me too. His throat can't be feeling good. No, no. Whatever. They need to go back into the hospital, maybe, and figure out what's wrong with his You speech. know what would help, probably? <laughs> nice cup of soup. Yep. Definitely not Chile, though. 412-922-2874. You're all a bunch of weirdos for enjoying our show, because what we put out there is odd. It just... <laughs> I sometimes I say the show's moving really quick today. Today it's moving quick and it's just it's odd. I don't know what happened. I don't understand why so many of you want to talk about chili, the non-soup, and well, you can call up whenever you want to settle the debate. Hey, tweet me to at underscore Adam Crowd. You could tweet Brian at F Bomber seventy three. Tell him how wrong he is. Does the constant flagging in football make you want to stop watching? We broached the subject yesterday, but I wanted to get into it maybe a little bit deeper today. Maybe in a standalone game it would. But you need ball on Sundays. It's not changing my mind. It's not going to make me turn it away. And this is me, the same guy who talked for 16 minutes at the start of the program about how much different football is today than it was even a decade ago. I mean, Steelers-Ravens resembles a different sport than what Steelers-Ravens is today. Back then, every blade of grass, every yard, so heavily sought after so difficult to attain that yardage and now it's not hard at all but i'll still watch because football you know what i've got on in the studio right now i've got on it the 2016 penn state ohio state game i know the outcome i know what happened i'm still watching it what channel is that on espn no thank you you Thank you. Yeah. I'm watching it because I love ball. I'm scrolling through. What else is on? Nothing but football is on. I want to watch it. I want to see it. I love it. And the way that the changes happen, the way that the rule changes have happened, it's not all at one time. It's incrementally. 
The way that the game has been officiated doesn't change all at one time. It happens gradually. It happened with quarterbacks. You go back a couple of years, and, well, now you can't hit him low because Tom Brady hurt his low kneecap, right? Can't hit him low. Well, then people start getting concussions. You can't hit him high. And it hasn't just happened where this year, oh, you can't land on a guy, and we should all be so surprised they're trying to protect the quarterbacks. They've been doing it. So that gives, I think, the viewer, the fan, the opportunity, the time to adjust. So I, I don't think unless something drastic happens where a player, God forbid, would die on the field and then the sweeping changes happen, I, I, don't, I think that's what it would take for me to stop. I, I don't think I'm changing my tune on football until that point. You had something to add, Tom? No, 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 Wilson, call him back. He just wanted to say he offers his apologies for his voice. He gets a, he loses his voice a little bit when he gets excited. I told him it's okay, Wilson. Just keep calling back. We love hearing from you. He should not apologize for his voice ever. He should, he should apologize for treating West Virginia the way he did. Wilson, I'm sorry. And Wilson, I just want you to know that when you take your kids, your grandkids, to South Bend, and touchdown Jesus is staring you in the face. Pitt's going to lose to Notre Dame. They might win that one, That's though. That's what I'm That's saying. That's such like, a yeah. pit. <laughs> Pitt sucks. Pitt sucks. <laughs> oh, boy. Notre Dame will be like number four. They'll just beat them. They're going to smoke them, probably. And I mean, really taking Notre Dame over Pitt. I mean, who wants to do that anyway? Yeah, I do. Amen. Every time. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. I got nothing else to transition back from that. We got Jason Mackey coming up in eight minutes here on the Crowley Show. The Penguins last night they played their final home preseason game. Phil Kessel scored a couple of goals. Hockey's right around the corner. One week from today, mother truckers. Penn's Capitals. So we ain't just starting talking hockey next week. We start talking hockey a couple weeks ago. We never stopped talking hockey. And it got me to thinking, what is the Penguins' biggest problem? What was their problem from last year? I actually disagree with the coaching staff on this. Depth is one of the world's most coveted intangibles, right? We always aspire to have this great depth of knowledge. We're all looking for the deeper meaning of life. Penguins coach Mike Sullivan wants to have a deeper lineup, and he thinks he has just that. And sure, it's great to have a good fourth line. But I don't think that's what cost the Penguins in the playoffs last year. It wasn't depth that cost the back-to-back champs their chance to three-peat. It was their stars' inability to reach new heights. How about that? Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Hornquist, they produced 24 goals and 53 points in 12 playoff games. They certainly weren't the problem. Phil Kessel, though, was putrid. His stat line of nine points in 12 playoff games was misleading because he only had three even-strength points over that span. That after having been one of the team's best playoff performers in his first two years in black and gold. Kessel was so bad last year in the playoffs that people were questioning whether he was hurt. There were trade rumors. How about Evgeny Malkin? He burst into the playoffs, just like the Penguins did, in dominant fashion against the Philadelphia Flyers. He scored a beautiful coast-to-coast goal. It showcased his wheels, his skill, his pedigree. But he wasn't the same, though, after an injury sidelined him at the end of the series and in the first game against Washington. Gino finished a Tiger Woods-like minus seven. And the Penguins soon after that were golfing. Derek Broussard was the Penn's prized trade deadline acquisition. And over the course of his career, he's been a tremendous playoff performer. 
but he was only able to chip in two even strength points in a dozen playoff games he appeared in. How about Matt Murray? After posting a 923 and 937 save percentage in his first two respective Stanley Cup runs, he was average last spring with a mark of 908. Look, Mike Sullivan and Jim Rutherford know what they're doing, and they have gotten this team deeper. They can talk all they want about depth in the fourth line needing to produce offense. They ain't wrong. It would help. But here's betting that a healthy Malkin, healthy Broussard, rejuvenated Kessel, and more consistent Matt Murray are the biggest keys for this team, hoisting the greatest trophy in sports for the third time in four years. Talk to Jason Mackey about that coming up next. What a weird show. I wonder what he thinks about Chile. He'll probably bring up poutine or something, that fake Canadian. Poutine always sounds like a bad word. It's Crowley Show. It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Were you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? It's Ravens Week. Steelers, Ravens, Sunday night football, a clash of mediocrity. I mean, let's be honest here. I don't think either of these teams are great. And I know Jerry earlier on in the program was saying, well, the Ravens offense, Adam, they're playing a lot better. They're averaging 32 points a game. Yeah, but it's only three games. Why were you just talking like Kermit the Frog? That was my Jerry. Oh, Listen here, Adam. They score points. They do. Right now. They will this Sunday. But they won't for much longer after that because Joe Flacco, I don't think, is good. So let's talk about the legitimate championship contender in this town. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Jason Mackey is all over them for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Mac Daddy, it's that time of the year, baby. What's up, buddy? Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. I have a... Very pertinent hockey question to get to at the end of the segment here, and I'll let you stew on it while we do talk about hockey. Uh, Is chili a soup? We'll get to that in a few minutes. But first, the Penguins deeper uh, than they have been, I think, uh, since their two cup runs, and the Penguins think so too. There's almost too many forwards right now. It's a good problem to have, huh? Well, I guess that's one way you can look at it, but right now we already have seen with Daniel Sprong being out day to day this is they're not going to have too many forwards. I mean let's just let's be real here. The Penguins are the Penguins and there's going to be injuries and stuff happens and people are either going to be hurt or ineffective or whatever. It's not going to be too many forwards. I I think the same situation is prevalent on defense too. You know, we can look at this and say, "Oh, what's going to happen with Yuso Rikola and he Rikola. has to play and you know, things just change, man. They they absolutely change and um the Penguins what they have this year as opposed to past years, they actually have some depth. And if Derek Grant is their 13th forward, I mean, I guess you can look at it and say, oh, wow, he should be playing games every night, but you're putting your best 12 forwards there, and that actually is your best 12 forwards, not just like the 12 warmest bodies. So I I think they've done a lot to address the depth. I I wrote that last night off of the game, and Jim Rutherford used the term balance, and balance, depth, to me, they're sort of interchangeable terms. But the Penguins are a much, much deeper team, much different team this year as opposed to last. Well, the Penguins have like 30 centers now, and last year it was Greg McKaig and Carter Rowney to start the season. Uh, holy hell. I mean, I know we all want to block that out like the Mike Johnston era, but that happened. So they're obviously in a much better spot. 
Uh, I said leading into this segment, though, that, yeah, well, depth is necessary, and the Washington Capitals proved that uh, this last season, and every team that wins the Stanley Cup has pretty darn good depth. I think the bigger issue for the Penguins last year was Phil Kessel wasn't playing well in the playoffs. Derek Broussard was coming back from injury and had not really found chemistry with his line mates. Uh, and you had Evgeny Malkin hurt when you needed him most. He was good at the beginning of the Flyers series. And then you had Matt Murray play mediocre hockey in the playoffs. So I think that no matter how much depth you have, if you've got those guys playing good hockey, then maybe it becomes moot. Because if you've got those guys playing good, I think you can beat anybody. Yeah, and look at what the Capitals did, too, Adam. I mean, geez, you have Evgeny Kuznetsov and Nicholas Backstrom, and neither of those are surprises, but then, you know, Jay Beagle's line was really good in that series and all the way through, and look at what Devontae Smith-Pelly did, and I liked Lars Eller a lot, and they have some really yeah. good forwards up in that lineup, and the Penguins are going to counter with Carter Rowney? That's just not going to work. And, I mean, I think Derek Broussard's a great player. He looked really good this preseason, but he was not that in the playoffs. You know, he was badly injured and was not the least bit comfortable. And you had guys who just picked a really terrible time to play some of their worst hockey of the year. You know, Brian Rust, I looked this up last night. I couldn't believe it. He had three goals. And out of their entire bottom six, I think they had five total. Rust had three of them. One was on Sid's line. One was an empty netter. And, like, one was a legitimate third-line goal. I mean, they got nothing from guys in the playoffs. And now we look at this situation and we say, you know, obviously we're a long, long way away from there, but if you're getting a third line with Dominic Simone, Derek Broussard, and Brian Rust, if that's going to work, if your fourth line is maybe Matt Cullen, Riley Shane, and insert Aston Reese or Sprong or whomever, um, or even Derek Grant, I mean, that's a, <laughs> such an upgrade. All we can go by is being on paper right now. But, uh, you know, you, you can match top line for top line with some of the best teams in the league. It's just filling out the rest of that depth chart. And that's what is so vastly different for me. We're not talking about McKegg, Rowney, Kuhnhackle, <laughs> these guys who just couldn't score. No, and that is interesting, too, if you go back in the time machine again. Uh, last year, on the fourth line, you had Ryan Reeves. Now it's Sprong, Shane Cullen, as you just mentioned. Uh, the philosophy is we want four lines that can put the puck in the net, right? So what I like is that Jim Rutherford and Mike Sullivan, if something doesn't work, they'll they'll go to something that does work. And last year it was let's be sandpaper in the bottom six, and now it's let's put the puck in the net. Yeah, and I know a lot of people, I get this, I'm sure you get it too, the, the Sprong freak out. You know, and they look at it like Sprong's been demoted or he's not being used in a meaningful role or anything. I mean, I'm not here to tell you that Derek, or Derek Sprong, Daniel Sprong, has had the world's greatest training camp. He hasn't. But look at this for what it is. I mean, it's a defes defensively deficient young winger, say that ten times fast, and you're looking for a place to put him. You're not going to play him ahead of Hornquist, Kessel, or probably Brian Rust, who's better on the right side. So you got to play him on the fourth line. If you want to cover up for some of his shortcomings, you put him with Colin and Shea, that line's not going to get its head beaten in, you know, when it comes to the defensive side of the puck. And so you want to have a scoring element on every line, as you're saying, Adam. So you add Sprong there. He can score a little bit. Colin can get him the puck in good, you know, good situations, as long as Sprong knows where to put himself to support it. But there's some offense there, and no matter who they put in that spot, even if you want to flip Derek Grant over there. I mean, we're talking about a guy who jumped up the lineup and played in place of Corey Perry and Ryan Getz last, last season. The guy's no slouch. They have much more talent there, and yeah, the fourth line has to score. Their fourth line offensively was just 
abysmal last season. And if they're going to go anywhere, it's got to more resemble what they had in 2016 and 17. To your point, and Jason Mackey joins us here on the Crowley Show, last night it was Gensel, Crosby, Hornquist, Haglin, Malkin, Kessel, Simone, Broussard, Rust as your top three lines. I don't need to have Sprong up there. I, I really don't. I'm, those lines are all going to produce. Uh, you mentioned that Broussard is looking good. What makes that line click? I feel like each of the guys is at least a little defensively responsible. Yeah, uh, there's a few things. And I'll tell this story, too, because I think it is interesting in, in terms of what this line makeup is. Um, so it was after the Detroit game on um, Sunday afternoon, and I requested to ask Sullivan a question out in the hallway, and, and Jen Bellana, director of media relations, said that was fine. And so I was talking to Sully in the hallway about this line, and he's very, like, sterile in media settings. You know, you see him. He doesn't let on a lot of emotion, anything like that. We're talking about the line. And I said something, you know, like, it seems like Rusty really works with Derek Broussard. His eyes light up, and he just loves that pairing. He starts talking about how, you know, it's a speed element, north-south game, all that stuff that we're hearing a little bit more publicly now. So to answer your question, Adam, and talk about why that line works so well, um, you know, it's the north-south game. It's the speed game. Um, it is Broussard being healthy and being a completely different player. You know, Rust is not afraid to go to the net. Uh, Dominic Simone is not afraid to go to the net. Does pretty well in corners, can usually handle the puck pretty well. He needs to shoot more. That's the element that this line is missing. But it just does a lot of different things, and it can generally play fast. Even if the guys, I mean, they're good skaters, don't get me wrong, but it's just a line that understands that it needs to play fast to be effective. And any line that Rust is on seems to be a possession-dominating line. Uh, the way that he's able to retrieve the puck, and then how defensively responsible he can be. A lot of people were critical of Simone last year, and I was not overly so. I mean, he missed some chances, of course, in the playoffs, but he was getting chances. I thought he did a lot well, and he reminds me of a guy who is a coach's wet dream, almost, Jason. Uh, whereas Sprong might be kind of the opposite of that. Yeah, that can be accurate. Uh, I, you know, from from what I understand with Mike Sullivan, um, Daniel Sprong would definitely rank below Dominic Simone if he was doing like a BCS style ranking. Um, I, it's funny to me how many, like, I don't know if whipping boy is the right word, but like Penguins players that just like people decide they feel a certain way about and they want to get rid of them and they're not going to change their opinions on them whatsoever. Like two years ago, everybody wanted to trade Olimata. We got to get him out of here. What's wrong with Olimata? And then last year, the poor kid has, has his career best year and people are still trying to run him out of town. You know, I feel like Dominic Simone is the same way. Like he wasn't great in the playoffs. Now, he produced a, a pretty decent points per 60, and like people who were really into Dominic Simone sort of hitched their wagon to this number. They say, oh, 2.0 yep. points per 60, 5 on 5. That's fourth best among Penguins fours. I get that, but was he their fourth best forward in the playoffs last season? Come on. You've got to be insane if you're actually going to believe that. And so like, I'm trying to look at Dominic Simone with a fresh set of eyes and look at him for what he can do um, and maybe think that he's going to be able to change some things that he didn't do so well in the postseason last year. And I, No, I don't think he should be playing with Sid. I don't think he should get Agreed. a leash that is that long. But if you're going to put him next to Rust and Broussard and the, the, you know, the I don't know, combination of talents that those guys have, I'll hear you out. People forget the players are allowed to get better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
(laughs) Even Jack Johnson, like, he's looked really good this training camp, but I don't know if people, like, flip on a preseason game via a web stream for, like, 30 seconds, and they have their mind made up on Jack Johnson. You know, like, I've, I've watched every single thing the guy has done since informal skates. He's been fine. There's no reason to freak out. But if you watch, like, 20 minutes of a preseason game, that's where you you can make that determination. Okay. Players are also allowed to get overhyped. Do you think that Ricola is getting overhyped? Is he winning the Norris this year, Jason? <laughs> he might be. Oh, my goodness. But you know what, Adam? I mean, that happens when guys play as well as he has. You know, and he's done a lot of things that are very impressive. And he, he's done things that are impressive to the naked eye. Um, or maybe we, that's not the right word, but like the layman. You know, even you and I watching stuff, you know, there are certain things that Yuso Rikula does. We're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's really neat. I was talking to Phil Bork the other day, and he was pointing out some, like, subtle things that I never would have thought of, and that's the beauty of somebody like Borky, you know, talking about where his passes go or how he's moving his skates or how he, you know, he never gets crossed over and he never does this and that. Like, just smooth things. That why when we watch the games, he looks like he's in the right place and he looks like he's thinking the game the right way. But there's so much subtlety to his game that hockey people like Borky and other hockey people that have been really impressed by Yuso Rikula um, have sort of been citing. So he's not winning the Norris, man, but the, the praise he's getting is certainly deserved. All right, last thing here for you, Mackie. We've talked about this before. Matt Murray, bounce back here? I think so. I do. I mean, if he can stay healthy. You know, if I look at Murray and you're going to tell me he plays 65 games and has an uninterrupted season by injury, you know, I'm I'm putting him down for a very healthy goals against average and save percentage. I mean, he's that good. Uh, If he plays, the numbers are going to be there. Um, He's gotten hurt like 9 billion times so far in his career, and so I think it's fair to wonder if he can stay healthy. And that's just – I don't think people – who aren't around this stuff every day, and, you know, not like I'm practicing, I'm not, I'm not on the ice, but you have a little bit more of an appreciation for it. How hard it is to get hurt, come back, get hurt, come back, get hurt, come back, that cycle, that disrupts a lot of momentum that these guys build in their games. And I think Murray has been a victim of that the past couple of years. So if he can stay healthy, he's going to have a bounce back. Chili soup. Yes. No! What's your call? Yeah. No! Yes, Mackie. No! Yes, Mackie, what's wrong with you? God, son yes. of a gosh. Son. That's why I love Mackie. So, 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 Crowley, you're saying it, it is a soup or it's not? No, it's a chili. That's, it's, it's its own no. thing. Like a taco's a taco. Like a steak is a steak. Hmm. That's right. I convinced yeah. him. Goodbye, no, yeah, but, Wait, wait. Okay, 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 okay. But you can push aside all of the things in chili at one point and drink something, i.e. there's broth. Mac, That's it's not soup. broth. Yes, oh, Mac. You can push aside the, the cereal and drink the milk. Does that I, make it soup? I knew it. Ah, good counterpoint. Thanks for the time, buddy. Don't give Thanks it for having me. Oh. That's Jason Mackey finally coming around to our side. He did not come around to your side. He just said that was a good point. A lot more chili is a talk. soup. It's a soup. How can it not be? There's liquid, there's meat, there's other things. It's a soup! Brian, your rage is acting up again, okay? Please. <laughs> I just am I am so finished with you and Tom not thinking that chili is a soup. You're just both dead wrong. And 63 68% of the listeners on Twitter, they're dead wrong, too. We're going to do a lot of hockey talk leading up to Penguin season next oh, Thursday. weirdos not thinking that chili is a soup. Because they're a real contender, and I don't think the Steelers are. People love hockey. Total soup. There's one thing I'm going to get into tomorrow as it relates to the Penguins. 
Meat, liquid, stuff. Lars Eller, what he did in the playoffs, that's why the Penguins went out and they got Derek Broussard. Bowl, eat it up. He could be that guy. There's some crackers in it. Coming up next, the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by Chubby Determined and Jerry Schmidt of the Duquesne Dukes. It's a soup. Not a soup, Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Enough. I'm putting these back in my pants. They're mine. This is crazy. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. We got to pull this song from the rotation because every time it comes on smooth, it, may, it reminds me to get my chest waxed. And that's not something I ever need to think about again. And it ain't happening this year because I ain't losing in fantasy football. I'm going to be a hairy chested young man for the rest of my life. Proud of it. Got to have goals, man. Yes. And that is an attainable one. Just like my new diet workout plan. Not dieting, not working out, it's attainable. It's working for me, too. You doing the same thing? Yeah, and I'm loving it. I've done cardio four days in a row, so I kind of, I'm lying here, but... I haven't. It's weak-ass cardio. I laid on my couch. I ate it... some... I ate gnocchi last night. Oh, yes! Yeah! Is it some fake cardio? Like, you get up, do a couple jumping jacks, get the blood pumping a little bit, feel the heart rate go up, and you're like, Wow! That's a workout. I'm sitting back down on the couch. I honestly can't answer whether or not it's better or worse than that from a cardio standpoint. What I've been doing is, because I need to get my lungs ready for actual cardio, so I've been getting on the treadmill and walking for 10 minutes, then running for 10 minutes, then walking for 10 more, and then finishing up with 10 more minutes of running. It is, I'm slowly working my way back to being able to do actual cardio. That's the smart way to go about it. Got to build myself up. Got to get that pitching arm ready to eat some innings. Exactly. Yep, that way you can build some, uh, like a little bit of cushioning there so you can have lots of soup, specifically chili. Would you get the well, hell out of here with this? I'm so, so sick of this nonsense. No I mean, you're just a piece of crap. Bro. You are a piece of crap, Brian. When Whoa. it comes to this opinion, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little harsh Whoa. there, I guess. Whoa. Wow. How do you like that? This is politics. This is 2018. We can't come to a reasonable conclusion here. We can't determine whether or not soup is chili, chili soup. We can't get there. Because we are entrenched in our opinion. It's like World War One. Brian's entrenched in his opinion. We won't budge. No one's budging. You know what? One time, when Soup was young, it tried to kiss a girl in high school. So it can't be chilly. Agreed. I finally <laughs> going to see you come ridiculous. around to our no, side. I was doing it. a parody thing there. Oh. I, was, I was sounding ridiculous like your side. I, don't I was get trying reference. to make your side sound ridiculous. I don't get the reference. <laughs> chili dodged the draft. I want to see Chili's birth certificate. <laughs> then we'll know. It's Chili or not. Chili's from Mexico. I know it. Did you get smooth off? Why? I like I mean, this I just, song. This is the first thing I said in the damn beginning of the segment. I wasn't paying attention to that. By the way, Carlos Santana here. He knows that Chili is not from America. <laughs> but he also knows that it's not a soup. Oh, Carlos, you shut up. You don't know Carlos Before Santana. we get to the great <laughs> unsponsored football Santana. segment filled with knowledge and fun, I have to tell you guys this. You'll die. Yeah. For the longest time, I thought Carlos Santana was blind. That's Ray Charles. 
I know. Yeah, you mix that up. Or Stevie Wonder, I guess. I, I, I figured that multiple people could be blind, but it's because every time he's riffing on that guitar, his eyes are always closed. He might as well be, right? There are several blind people in the world. He's just not one of them. What time is it, Tom? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. The Patriots woo, are going to lose this weekend and they're going to win the AFC East. Do it. That's right. They will start out 1-3. The Dolphins will start out 4-0. and And then Patriots, they are winning the division. Woo! You can mark that down. Here's woo. why. Everyone who... Is saying the Steelers are fine at writing off the Patriots. Listen here for a second. Yeah, their defense is slow. Yeah, they have some trouble getting after the quarterback. Those problems existed last year, and down the stretch, they got stingy AF in the red zone. It's a Bill Belichick coach defense. I tend to think the same thing's going to happen. I tend to believe that while they might bleed yards... Well, they might give up some big plays. Once you lock them down in the red zone, once you get down there, they'll lock you down. So they're going to get better on that side of the ball. It's Bill flipping Belichick. On offense, it's Moe and Curly and a bunch of other running backs that they have playing wide receiver right now. They can't get separation. They can't get open. They don't run great routes. And Tom Brady is having to pat the ball, pat the ball, pat the ball before letting it go. That's a huge weakness. It's maybe the biggest weakness, I think, among contenders right now. Here's the rub, though. Next weekend, Julian Edelman comes back. You think he'll be able to get open? I do. Josh Gordon might play this weekend. You think he'll be able to get open? I don't know. Just ask Artie Burns. Ask Cam Sutton. He'll get open. So the Patriots' biggest weakness might actually turn into somewhat of a strength because say what you will about Josh Gordon and his drug problems and his unreliability or his inability to be relied on. I'll make up whatever words I want to. It's my show. But Josh Gordon, when he's on the field, is one of the best receivers I've ever seen. And don't say that's hyperbole. His only full season, he played 14 games, wasn't even a full season. That's 1,600 yards. He's a monster. He'll score. He'll make plays. As will Edelman. These Patriots, even if they lose this weekend, and I think they will, they're still winning that damn division. Woo! The new point of emphasis, the landing on the quarterbacks, that ain't going to change. Because quarterbacks are too valuable. I mentioned this earlier on in the week, didn't get into it in great detail. But they changed the lowering of the helmet rule. They weren't going to throw that many flags. It was becoming a hindrance in the preseason, and the league still wants to call those penalties, but not as frequently. Okay, this is different because those plays affect everyone. These plays affect the quarterback. And even though it is also hindering the pace of play and the enjoyment level of these football games, guess what? They still, the league does, the owners do, value the quarterback so much they don't care if it screws up the pace of play. They don't care if it screws up the enjoyability of a game because you know what screws up the enjoyability of a game again making up words even more is a quarterback getting hurt. They want to do everything they can to protect them sons of bitches because we all tune in to see them 
more than anybody else. I've got friends who consider themselves football fans. They're casual football fans. I'm sure they can name every quarterback on every team around the league. I'm not so sure they could name a rostered player other than the quarterback on every team. Got to protect those dudes. They will protect those dudes. There are only three undefeated teams in the National Football League through three games. That's it. One of them is the Dolphins. Ooh. Woo! There are only three teams that haven't won a game in the National Football League. Everyone else is the same. One game off here or there. One tie off here or there. It's the same. So the Steelers, while I've been screaming they're not very good in the world's ending because they tied to Cleveland and gave up a thousand points against Kansas City. They suck, but so is everyone else. I think the Bengals are a pseudo-playoff team, but only because the AFC blows. I think the Ravens aren't very good, but they're a pseudo-playoff team because the AFC blows. The Dolphins might finish 8-8, eight eight, my opinion. We'll get into the Dolphins maybe more in-depth tomorrow. Probably not through the Dolphins. And 8-8 eight eight might get you in. A couple years ago, a missed field goal and 8-8 eight eight would have gotten the Steelers in. This Woo! might be the year. This might be the year where full-on mediocrity allows you to slide your ass into the playoffs. So while the Steelers aren't good, and I don't think they're a legitimate championship contender given what's on the NFC side of things, the AFC is so bad that it's not time to panic just yet. Now they lose to Baltimore, they lose to Cincy. That's the panic meter. Meter or alarm? No, it's a meter. Oh, the meter makes a noise? Mine does. Oh, cool. The yeah. meter has an alarm. Thank you, Brian. Gotcha. But the meter would not be considered an alarm. Woo! Coming up next, Steelers-Ravens used to be so much more special. And what the Penguins need this year to get farther than last year. It's a crowd show.